Welcome to the Forge Truth Podcast, where we are building great men as God defines greatness. Forge is a movement of men with a mission to help all men realize they are the deeply beloved, redeemed sons of the Most High God. I'm your producer, Zach, and I'm here to discuss the issues that affect men the most with our two hosts, Dr. Pete Alwinson, lifelong pastor and leader of Forge, and Jason Quinones, Bishop of Core Faith Church in Oviedo, Florida. Men, welcome to the show. Hey, how are you guys? I'm good. I'm good. It's good to be with you guys again. Jason, you are losing weight, dude. What's happening? I am four days away from 75 hard being completed. Wow. 75 hard. That's like a gallon of water a day, two workouts, one inside, one outside. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. So what's the plan five days from now? What will you keep doing? What will you not? Well, I mean, I still have some, some weight to lose. So this is a good kickstart to get me in the, in the right mode. Um, my daughter is, I have to confess right now, she is going to make me something sweet and I, I will eat that with no shame at all. But, um, but I'm just going to continue on, you know, working out and eating right, but I will enjoy a, a cheat meal here and there. Good. We need yeah. you in the fight. That's there you great. go. Well, today we have a special guest with us remotely over, uh, over zoom. We have Dr. Tom Wood here. Uh, Pete, why don't you introduce Tom? Dr. Tom Wood is an incredible man. He's a, a PCA pastor, church planter extraordinaire. Uh, and I'm going to get him talking here in a minute. But Tom, I think you planted three churches and have been a church planting coach now for 20 plus years and um, a good friend, founder of the Stout Monks Society. Uh, we could talk a little bit about that, too. But uh, we want to talk about your latest book, Vital Grace, and talk about church planting, too. So, Tom, welcome. Good to have you with us today, man. Thanks. Great to be here with a great team of guys here. We've got uh, an obese ball (laughs) on the call. I didn't know he was uh, going to be on the call with an obese ball. A what? Obese ball. That's the Spanish word for bishop. Ah. I should know that. I'm taking Spanish now. You're right. (laughs) You have, yeah. if you were in person, Tom, you'd have to kiss his ring. So there it is. If I didn't, I didn't know I was going to be on with the bishop, man. That's right. I've, uh, it's like the Anglicans, you know, the Anglican church has guys that uh, run things. They're the top dogs. I think it's just a little bit under the bishop or maybe it's over the bishop, but they're called canons. Hmm. And I worked with the guy, the canon of church planting for the Anglican church in North America. I thought, man, I'd love to be a canon. I know, right? That sounds like a yeah. great job. Yeah. That is awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Tom, anyway. tell about your family first and uh, and then tell us about a little bit of what you've done and in, in being a pastor for a few years. Yeah, thanks for that invite. Uh, I, you added a church plant to my resume that I haven't had. So um, that's nice to hear when people say, well, you've done so much. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I'm married, uh, been married for 45 years to the same woman, mm. um, which is always, you know, you got to clarify that in, in our world. I yeah. remember a guy was introducing himself. I said, I've been married for 30 years, five years to my first wife, 15 years to my second wife, and now 10 years to my third. <laughs> so 45 years with the same, with the same woman. Yeah. We have uh, three children, three daughters and two son-in-laws and four grandkids, all wonderful six grandkids. As you know, grandpa are better than grandkids are better than kids. And I loved my kids. <laughs> now, but. if I re- if I remember correctly, when you had your first grandkid, and we were talking about names that we wanted to be called, you wanted to be called Maximilian the Great. Did that ever Maximus happen? Maximus the Great. Yeah. Oh my my daughter nicks that. Oh, quickly. 
But I mean, think about it. Would it be, I mean, think about a little, your, your grandson looking up and saying, oh, Maximus the Great, please hold me. I mean, that would be beyond belief. I love it. I love it. Anyway, my daughter said, he'll call you Maxie and you don't want to be called Maxie. No, no. For various reasons. Right, guys? Yeah. 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 I can can count three. (laughs) <laughs> I could have, I guess I should have said obese bow. That would be great. Then you could call me Bishop and he'd never even know what that meant. Right. <laughs> that would be cool. How would that sound, Jace? That'd be perfect. I thought he was yeah, insulting you at first because the word obese, no. I, didn't, I didn't know what he was saying. Oh, obese bow. Well, he knew, I can, yeah, he knew what it was. He knew it because he knows the language. Yeah. He wouldn't a, teach me Spanish, but he knows Spanish. So it's you, you like when we go to. I first went to Cuba and uh, my VP introduced me to his and to the people there. He'd been down and he says, this is this is my jefe. And I thought he was insulting me, saying I was the big boy, you know. <laughs> and he's like, no, no, it means boss. It means I'm boss. Like, oh. it, it's fa- As a matter of fact, I found out the other day that because um, I have my grandkids call me chief and I could have them call me jefe. And that's pretty close. I think jefe. I think yeah. I just found out what I want to be called when oh. I'm a grandfather. What is it? Jefe. Jefe. I like yeah. that. I like it too. I'll call you that. There you go. <laughs> good, good. It's very manly. All right. Hey, now listen, Tom. Tell us it's about your pastoral manly. ministry. I mean, you know, you, you tell us about the churches you planted, and then your coaching, and then Cuba. You got to talk about that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I plant. I plant. I did plant two churches. Um, one out west. Um, gosh, back right after the Apostle Paul had commissioned me. Um, seems like a whole lifetime ago. I, I think I was planting about the same time you were planting um, your church mm-hmm. in, uh, in Oviedo mm-hmm. or in, uh, in uh, Winter Springs. Winter Springs. Yeah, we did that uh, for five years, then moved to the South and planted uh, my second church. Uh, both of them were from scratch. And uh, the second one was a whole lot easier than the first. Um, but uh, yeah, we were ended up there for uh, almost 11 years. And uh, then in um, 2000, um, I accepted a call to come to Atlanta with a group called Perimeter Ministries International to become the church planning director uh, for that group after serving part-time with uh, the denomination as the Southeast Regional Coordinator, Mission to North America's uh, church planning Southeast Regional Coordinator. Um, that My stellar career there lasted uh, um, all of about 18 months, and the uh, the board of that organization decided to uh, redo that a different way. And so they basically shut that down and we rebooted um, about another 18 months later um, with a new organization called the North Georgia Church Planting Network. And around that same time, I founded uh, Church Multiplication Ministries, CMM, which is what I lead now. Uh, that was, uh, was 2004. So... Um, 18 years ago plus ish. That's great. And yeah. you've been coaching. How, how many, how many hundreds of guys have gone through your coaching uh, ministry? I have, I have no idea. I'm asked, I'm asked that a lot. Like how many people been through the system? So we do. So CMM is in, what I say is we're in the church vitality mm-hmm. business and we work in four spheres. We work first of all with individuals. We uh, do that through gospel coaching and uh, gospel coaching is something that I pioneered um, uh, when I worked on my doctorate. Um, and, uh, I, uh, I'd been training, I'd been trying to figure out how to do coaching as a church planting director. And, uh, I went to all these different seminars and training events on coaching and 
and uh, something just seemed to be missing in all of them. They were great. Some of them were very uh, productive in terms of strategy and those kind of things. But the centrality of why people did what they did seemed to be missing in it. So, uh, yeah, so I studied uh, how, how does the gospel of Jesus Christ, how does a, a grace-centered approach to coaching, how does it make a difference? And that's you know, the what, name of your first book, Gospel Coaching. And that was the name of the, of the book, yeah. Um, gospel Coach has honored and published. <laughs> Still selling, by the way, Great. which is incredible. Um, I think it came out in 2012, if I remember correctly. That's great. And uh, I still get a I still get a royalty check. Wow! And, I, and and when I get it, I can take Rachel to Texas Roadhouse Grill for dinner. You could support That's a men's about. ministry in Greater Orlando if you wanted to, but you decided to take yeah, your wife with that with that with that with that paid. Yeah, with that check. Yeah, yeah. It, would, it would go a long way. <laughs> in, in fact, we're currently accepting live pledges. If you wanted to make an announcement right now, as a matter of fact, let's yeah. turn this show into a live pledge. A fundraiser, a yeah, fundraising, yeah. a telethon. <laughs> Where, where can we send our donations? <laughs> so you work with where individuals. I interrupt you. Yes, yeah, so I work with individuals, and uh, that's through gospel coaching. And um, our, our, we have um, over a dozen professional coaches that work at CMM, coaching guys all around, and, and women. We have a professional women coach um, on our team, on our staff. She's, uh, she's with us. Great, great coach. Um, the second... So we discovered along the way in the church planting world that, you know, we were supplying church, we were supplying pastors and church planners with coaches, but it's really a team that goes out. And so the spouse wasn't being cared for and coached. And so, uh, yeah, we developed uh, coaching for women. And um, then secondly, uh, churches, Um, we believe that the church is... uh, you know, Paul says in uh, in the book of Ephesians that it's through the church that the manifold wisdom of God will be made known to the world. And so we work with churches and we have a process called the Vital Grace Initiative. It's a church health process. There's four stages, phases to it. And so we work uh, with directly with local churches, helping them understand their church health, kind of do a, a diagnostic on the church and then help them figure out where to go from there. Uh, then we work with networks or we call ecosystems, church planning ecosystems. That's on a global, uh, here in the U.S. and on the global stage. And that's what takes us to places like uh, a denomination, that a very large denomination in the country that has uh, associational leaders. We work uh, with those associations. Uh, we're working in the United Kingdom with uh, the U.K. partnership. We're working in Cuba with a group of churches called the Los Pinos Nuevos Churches. Uh, in Cuba. And um, we've created a partnership down there with them. And we do training. We do training on leadership, but we do training on gospel coaching systems so that they have within their own ecosystem um, how to get coaches alongside the leadership in in those systems. Um, So, and then we have a partnership with some other organizations that teach gospel coaching all across the globe. So, Gospel coaching has ended up in, in a lot of different places. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and I've been through your training, your gospel coaching training, and uh, the vital church process. You came down to our church, and uh, yeah, we did. That's right. That yeah, we did and the, you uh, got me straight out Creek. in several areas. So it's a great process um, having you as a friend come down and give friendly fire to me uh, and uh, our guys. Is that what it felt like? Did it feel like friendly? No, it was good. It was good. Our guys still remember you when you came down. So I appreciate that. That's awesome. So Cuba, is the church growing in Cuba? 
Oh man, I'll tell you, they planted over. Uh, so this this particular denomination um, that we're working with uh, has been around about ninety years, um, and they uh, they have um, have a new set of leadership, a younger le- set of leadership that kind of took over in around twenty ten or something like that, and they. They have been very uh, bringing gospel renewal dynamics into the denomination, into the churches. They got very uh, active in church planting and started planting churches. They have to do house churches um, because of the setting where they are. And um, so, uh, so interesting though, this is a true, this is a, a real statement. Okay. I'm about to tell you during COVID, during lockdown in this, in Cuba, they planted 770 house churches. Wow. During the lockdown. Wow. That's wild. Isn't that wild? And they they showed a video of hundreds of baptisms after the after lockdown was over of people that had gotten converted. Um and I I, I, we have a copy of the video of them out out of the ocean, uh people that got saved during post during COVID and post COVID. Um so the Lord, the movement down there is just incredible. They've done an amazing thing. Of course, there's still, there's a humanitarian crisis. And uh, so our organization partners with some other organizations in food relief and uh, some of the other things that happen down there. But we're pr- primarily focused on the church. We've created a partnership of churches here in the U.S. with churches, the churches that they're planting around the, around the country. Um, yeah, it's been incredible. So I want to get these other guys to weigh in on this, but let's talk real quickly about why in the world are we starting new churches? Uh, why why do we need a church multiplication ministries? Why do we need to plant new churches? Yeah, well, I'd like to hear the bishop on that one. We got a bishop in there. I know, I know. I think that there are there are more sinners that need to be reached with the gospel and we need to be equipping leaders. I mean, that's what the leadership of the church, according to Ephesians 4, is for, is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So to develop and deploy people in the kingdom work. So that's that would be the opinion that I would give on that. So I think it's very important. So as we're making disciples, as people go out and make disciples, then they need churches to participate in. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, and following Paul's example, I mean, he's the earliest example we have, and he would go from city to city and plant a church and then move on and uh, continue to spread like that. And to the uh, context is so important, right? So to the Jew, you become a Jew. To the Greek, you become a Greek. And so nowhere is going to be able to uh, speak to you more than your community that you're already a part of, right? Then, then an outsider, uh, contextualizing the gospel for you, having someone in your own community contextualize it for you. So that's why you plant churches in all these different communities so they can uniquely speak to the needs of their community. Hmm. Yeah. 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 And as we learned years ago, one reason why we plant church in, in our denomination is is to do evangelism. Bishop, you planted your church over 20 years ago, so Bishop is a church planter too. And uh, um, I still sort of see myself in that light too. I love to see new churches getting started and supporting guys uh, that, are, that are doing that. You know, so if the church is growing in Cuba, uh, Tom, is it growing in the United Kingdom? Come on. Oh my gosh! You know the Lord's the Lord's doing some things in the in the United Kingdom. Um, there's a group of churches. We so we've uh, gone into our our work in, in the UK is a little bit different. We're we're assisting a an organization called the United the UK Partnership, which is U.S. churches that are supporting the 
new churches getting started in the UK financially. And they asked us to come alongside and help them create a, a sustainable care system, basically coaching system for the planters that are getting started there. So I kind of have a limited role, but we've, uh, so when we do that in a country, when we go into places like we did Cuba, like we've done in, in, um, in the UK, it's emerging in Korea right now. We're on the first doorstep of that happening, uh, among the Korean church, but, uh, in the UK. So we, we go, yeah, we'll come in and, and, and we train, we teach people how to become coaches, but our, but our, our primary goal is to train up trainers within the right. UK to train people how to do it. So they have their own indigenous system, just like Zach was just saying. Um, there are, um, in two years, 71, I think, was the number that I heard of people that have been trained now. We have uh, eight indigenous trainers in gospel coaching. Mm. Uh, it's it's taken off among 14 different denominations, tribes, whatever, across the UK. Churches there, the, the main church, one of the main churches that we're working with, I'll give them a plug, City Church Manchester, is baptizing people every week wow. who are getting saved. Young people, the church... Uh, a bunch of 20 and 30 year olds. Um, you know, why church plan was a great, it was, it's, it's an interesting question. We don't, so statistically, and as you look at it, I mean, um, the church has been historically uh, the best way for people to, to evangelize a community because it's, it's, it is what, like I said, it, it's through the church that the manifold wisdom of God's going to be made known to the world. So, um, as effective as as uh, ministries such as ours, yours, mine, can be in helping men and helping leaders that are in the church, it's through that church. It's the the, the dynamic of of Christians together. Uh, it's the dynamic of uh, people worshiping together. It's the dynamic of hearing the gospel preached. It's the dynamic of corporate worship of God that. It, it, is to be a witness to the surrounding communities. Mm-hmm. We haven't done a great job in the, and it certainly is harder post-COVID. I get that. Um, but if we want a Christian, if we if we want to be able to evangelize a community, we need more churches, not less mm-hmm. churches. Right. right, right. If we want the kingdom of God to break out in greater Orlando, we need more churches in Orlando, right. not less churches. Right. Right. And so we don't need to be competitive with each other. Pastors are often very turf conscious uh, and we should yeah. want to see new new expressions of that. Well, l- listen, this this segues us um, and we could talk to you about the technical aspects of church planting. And really, our, our guys that are listening, men, we need you as a part of starting new churches as well as energizing existing churches. But it is the gospel of grace that energizes uh, what we do. It is about the work of Jesus, which leads to your latest book, Vital Grace, Getting Everything for Nothing. I want everything for nothing. I mean, I like that subtitle. But uh, you are you really understand. Well, you already got it, but you, you got everything already. Pete. That's right. You've been. That's right. That's right. So tell <laughs> you know this, and you know this better than I do. That's for sure. Oh man, I've got a signed copy of your book right in front of me, and I love it. And it, you know, uh, uh, tell us tell us what motivated you to do this book, and and maybe a couple of things that are near and dear to your heart about grace. Yeah, well, the thing that triggered it for me, the the, the the, uh, the primary thing is that, hey, I got I to write this out is we've been doing this gospel coach training. And part of as gospel coach training is we go through, well, what is the gospel? 
And uh, the longer I was doing it, you know, we only had like an hour and a half in a two and a half day session on gospel coach training, how to do gospel coaching. And an hour and a half was on the gospel. And and the the more I started doing this, the longer we were doing this, the people that started coming over the course of the of the years, I don't they they didn't understand the they didn't understand the gospel. You know, they understood maybe the gospel justification, you know, like you accept Jesus as your savior, you know. And but in terms of how does the how does the grace of God at work in us on a daily basis? you know, conform us into the image of Jesus or conform us into the likeness of what we were primarily made to be. Um, and and the longer I was doing this, the less I began to see people, I think, who really understood that. And so, so m- many of the people, I would say most, but many of the people coming through our training uh, had a, you know, Jesus, Jesus has saved me, but now I got to work really hard at being good. And I got to try harder and I got to be more moral. And uh, yeah, I'm, I've got to be able to stop doing the things that I'm doing and do the things that I'm supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Stuff that you guys teach, stuff that you guys preach, stuff that you guys, uh, I'm, I'm, there's nothing new, you know, in this book. There's, to me, there's nothing, there's no thing like, oh, that's new. It, it's just basic what Christianity 101, but, um, Anyway, yeah, so I, uh, I said, you know what? I've got to have a resource for people that are coming through here to fill in the blanks um, so that they have a little bit more wealth of information. Well, I love the idea that the gospel is not just for uh, non-Christians becoming Christians, but the gospel is for Christians. Right. And uh, no matter how long you've been a believer, the gospel is still so vital uh, in your life every day. And I, right. I love that idea. Yeah, because, you know, look, you, we all know this is not a surprise to anybody. Every, every single one of us wakes up every day and, and subconsciously or consciously, we're trying to contribute to our salvation. <laughs> we're trying to do something. We're trying to get God to like us better or love us more or bless us, you know, in a way that we don't feel like he has blessed us. And so if we try a little bit harder, if we do a little less sin, you know, if we're right and um, it's it's been with us since the garden, since the fall of the garden, not the first part of the garden. But um, and uh, yeah, so I think that and, and so another another that was another thing, you know, I wanted to be able to say, you know, I think we've lost the grand story. I think that people have reduced Christianity, a reductionist view of Christianity. And so uh, when a preacher gets up and says, you know, Jesus died for you. Uh, and you need to you need to accept him. That has zero context in this culture. Mm. I mean that that makes no sense. That makes zero sense to people in our culture. What does that have to do with anything, right? And uh, maybe it's because I've been around you know so many secular, higher secular cultures in the U.S. Being in Britain, being in Canada, being in Cuba, they're very naturalistic and secular that I, it, it's become more pronounced here to me, just seeing it coming in this, in our country. And we are aping them, uh, aren't we? Uh, we're 10 years behind or 15 years behind Western Europe, maybe, or I don't know, but that's the idea. Yeah. Um, right. Wow. That, that That's a pretty major statement that they don't, uh, they don't have a context and maybe we don't have the context for the substitutionary atoning work of Christ. 
in our culture? Well, I think what we what we see in the church, right? When we talk about church planting, like we were talking about earlier, a lot of times people will plant a church because they're trying to fill a need within a community or, you know, in, in, a, in a particular context. And it's easy for us as the church to forget our primary role in making disciples is to disciple people in the gospel, right? I love what Zach said. We never get past the gospel. It's it's a repetition of this truth that becomes deeper and becomes grander and becomes more glorious of what Jesus did, of how God loved us. And I mean, it, it continues to root us. I mean, Pete, you say it every week to us. We're the deeply beloved sons of the Most High God. It sounds so simplistic. But how many times do we need to be reminded of that as sons who fail, you know, in our families when we drop the ball and we're feeling condemned because we didn't give the right answer or we raised our voice in a way that we shouldn't have or we just totally blew it and, you know, gave a a terrible example. You know, I I was in the car with my son yesterday and I brake checked this guy. If you don't know what brake checking is, don't worry about it. But anyway, I brake checked (laughs) this dude because I'm like, why is he on my butt? And I'm like... Great example, Dad. You're wonderful. But I have to be reminded that I'm not that break check. I'm a deeply loved son of the Most Mm -hmm. High God. I need to come to my son and say, son, that was a bad example. That was something that I shouldn't have done. I repent of that. I confess that. I acknowledge my sin. And so I think we as a church have gotten so far away in some context of, of making the gospel central. And keeping that in the forefront of our people's minds, that that's where our identity comes from. It's not just learning the five steps to a great marriage or the 10 steps to being a great parent or the 19 steps to being a great employer, employee, whatever, you know, I'm exaggerating the point, but I, it, but the gospel is so important. So this book sounds like it's a, it's a great reminder and bringing us back to that center of how important the gospel is for us. Vital grace. Grace is vital, you know, and and understanding grace over the lifetime of following Jesus. It does take time for it to get from the head down to the heart and the practical, my practical relationships. So I love this. Guy's got to get that book, Vital Grace, Getting Everything for Nothing, Dr. Tom Wood. Um, at your best, uh, you you get grace. Uh, you give it in friendship. You give it in training. And grace is the energizing principle of everything that we do. So it uh, absolutely is. Yeah, uh, that's great. That's, a that's gr- great. Yeah, yeah. And grace is is one of the few things you can boast in, right? Because it doesn't come from you, and you didn't earn it. And so, uh, as God pours out grace onto you, that's something that you can be you can boast about. And you know, proclaim to everyone you see is yeah. the power of grace. And uh, it's not because of something that, that you did. So you're not bragging. That's right. That's right. As the Scottish preacher, Thomas Chalmers said, the freer, the freer it is, the better it is. Mm, wow. You know, Tom, I, you probably don't get this enough, but um, I, I want you, I, I want to bless you for your ministry and what you have done over the years, not only in advancing the gospel, here in the United States, two church plants. You can almost get to heaven alone by starting two churches. I mean, no, no, no. All right. But it's really tough work. And then the men that you have poured into, um, 
who've become better leaders because of grace and the wisdom that you've given them in planning churches and influencing others. Uh, We bless you for that, and we're so thankful for your ministry, and I'm thankful for your friendship. Thank you, Pete. Coming from you, that means a lot. You're a stellar leader in your own right and have done a great job, so having your kudos means a lot. Um, I don't particularly have an approval idol, so I'm not living off of your praise. Yeah, you but, don't uh, care. I do, uh, right. I do thank you for yeah, it. Right, right. Oh, I have, listen, I have my own idols. Trust me. I, but, I love that, though. Yeah. I love that. But uh, yeah, thank you, though. That's very kind of you. The Lord has done things way. Listen, this stuff stuff that I see God doing through this, through what's happening, just boggles my mind. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it's all of him. That's for sure. It's not because I was smart or pure or good or right or. Just, uh, I think, as you teach, available to what God wanted to do. So just stand in the gap. Well, I get the sense that we barely scratched the surface of uh, wisdom that that you could share with us. But unfortunately, that's our time for today. So uh, hopefully we can have you back and and delve more into this and other topics. I still don't know what the, the stout monks are. So I guess I'll have to wait for that one. But uh, I want to thank everybody. Have me back. Yeah. I'd love to, man. Listen, thanks for your ministry, all three of you guys. Um, thanks for what you're doing, Pete. Thanks for uh, standing in the gap with the men. It's a joy. It's a joy. And, uh, yeah. Absolutely. It really is. It's amazing, isn't it? That's great. I want to thank everyone at home for listening to this episode of the Forge Truth Podcast. If you want to join the conversation, you have any questions or comments about what we talked about today, you can email the show at forge at forgetruth.com. We would love if you could get the word out about the show, uh, share with a friend who you think would benefit from the conversation or leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And uh, Jason, why don't you leave, leave a challenge for the men listening today? Well, guys, you heard a little bit about church planning. You heard a little bit about grace and they're both important to the church. And so what we realize is that grace is vital. So I would encourage you, number one, Don't ever grow out of grace, but continue to grow in grace. I think this book, Vital Grace, is a great resource. And so I encourage you to get that, read that, and grow in grace and be an extension of the grace of God. 